behalf of Thomas and Taylor, or Thomas Taylor, we're going to read Thomas Taylor the Platonist and continue in uh, an apology for the fables of Homer. And we're um, in the section three. In what manner an apology is to be made for those divine fables which appear to make the gods the causes of evil? Hmm, we're going to explore the cause of evil. In the next place, let us consider how, since the gods in the summit of their essence are particularly characterized by goodness, poetry makes them to be the authors of both evil and good. Though it is proper to refer to them the principal cause of what is good alone. For this Socrates demonstrating that divinity gives substance to good alone, but to nothing evil thinks worthy of uh, anima mad version animad version in the poems of Homer, it seems that he reprobates the battles of the gods as subverting divine union, but condemns what we now propose to investigate as diminishing the goodness of the gods. <laughs> For this, Socrates, demonstrating that divinity gives substance to good alone, but to nothing evil, thinks worthy of anima diversion in the poems of Homer. Remember, we're trying to rescue Homer from Socrates' criticism. <laughs> no, Socrates doesn't say that. Others do. Others what? think that uh, Homer is criticizing the, the, the gods like bad, you know, bad minds. Oh, Homer criticizes a, the gods. Yeah, but other people criticized mm. Homer for that, but so they see that he oh. doesn't do really that. Yeah. Homer it's all allegorics. Oh, Homer doesn't criticize the no, gods. He doesn't. You see, it's all allegory. Or so. Socrates doesn't criticize. Or Ulysses himself is a god. Mm. And it seems that he probates the battle of the gods of subverting divine union, but condemns what we now propose to investigate as diminishing the goodness of the gods. Uh, all right, we're investigating that maybe it doesn't diminish the goodness of the gods. For, quote, two vessels on Jove's threshold ever stand, the source of one evil one and one of good. Hmm, Iliad. Book 24, verse 527. Two vessels on Jove's uh, threshold ever stand, the source of evil one and one of good. Are they the source of both good and evil or not? <laughs> Hmm. There is an existence of both. But the chat. For look at the title. In what manner an apology is to be made for those divine fables which appear to make the gods the causes of evil? They appear to make them the cause. Uh -huh. Maybe they're not the cause. Hmm. To this opposition, object. To this objection, we answer that there are two coordinations of things in the world which as we have before observed super super now super, super 
Supernellis. Supernellis. Proceed from the gods themselves, for all things are divided by the biformed principles of things, vis-a-vis -vis the orders of the gods, the natures of beings, the genera of souls, physical powers, circulations of the heavens, and the diversities of material things, and lastly, human affairs and allotments according to justice. Whence receive a twofold generation, for of these some are uh, of a better, and others of an inferior condition. <laughs> You're getting your mask made out. Um, You're making one. I mean, for instance, that the natural habits of bodies, vis-a-vis -vis beauty, strength, health, and also such things as independent of the corporeal constitution pertain to souls vis-a-vis -vis power and honor and riches, belong to allotments of a better condition, but those habits and circumstances which are opposite to these belong to those of an inferior condition. These things then being necessarily divided after the above-mentioned manner, those which belong to the better portion it was usual with the ancients immediately to denominate good, but those of the contrary portion they demonstrated evil, yet not in the same signification as when we call an unjust and intemperate habit of the soul evil, but as impediments of energies. Do you think it's just impediments of energies evil is? I'm trying to... Uh, get impediments out of thy way here. As darkening our natural dispositions and disturbing the providence of the soul in his tranquil management of human affairs, they admitted them to be evil and to be denominated, but after a different manner from what are called the evils of the soul. Hmm. Well, we might find out something about evil here, the intemperate habit of the soul evil. A hindrance or obstruction in doing something. Mm. Well, what we call unjust, intemperate habit of the soul evil. But, but as, what, what is the complete sentence here? <coughs> Seems the sentence is so long that, these things then being necessarily divided after the above-mentioned manner, those which belong to the better portion, it was usual with the ancients immediately to denominate good, but those of the contrary portion they denominated evil, yet not in the same signification as when we call an unjust and temperate habit of the soul evil. But as impediments of energies, as darkening our natural dispositions, we're just trying to not turn dark, right? And disturbing the providence of the soul, and it's... If we just had tranquil management of our soul, of human affairs, all we need is tranquil management of human affairs. They admitted them to be evil and to be so denominated, but after a different manner from what are called the evils of the soul. It's a long sentence. Thus also they were accustomed to call disease <coughs> imbecility and the deprivation of the necessaries of life evils. I guess we are going to call disease as an evil. 
Disease is evil. It's one thing. It's a, a impediment of energies and a darkening of our natural dispositions, and may interfere with our disturb our tranquil management of human affairs. <coughs> And that is why it is necessary to read this book. <clears throat> and why is it necessary to adduce all poetry as a witness of the use of this name? <clears throat> For uh, the use of the name. Um, uh, is the name evil or what is it? For the Pythagoreans also in establishing twofold coordinations of things in all orders did not refuse to call one of these good and the other evil. All right, so you could have good and evil, basically. Yeah, for, for simplified matters, probably. Uh, well, you can't just say everything is good, no. Could we say everything is good and just not read this? What if we say maybe you say everything is for the good, maybe. What if we just say everything is good and there's no evil? For the good. And we'll just not read this. <laughs> not reading would not be good, huh? Not reading would not be good. So you're arguing reading this is the good. Mm -hmm. huh? We can just not know what is evil and just go about our business. But if you reject that there everything. is an evil. But the Pythag but if you're a Pythagorean, which we are, then we accept the fact that there's the other evil. Though how can anyone admit that the even, the oblong, and motion are to be enumerated among those evils which we define as privations of good? Is evil a privation of good? What's a privation? Deprivation. Huh. Deprive somebody from good. How can we say that the feminine, the genus of difference, and the dissimilitude are contrary to nature? Maybe it's just the feminine is bad. <laughs> you could argue that the male is bad and the feminine is good. But I think this entirely evident that according to every progression of things, they call the subordinate series of things opposite evil as deserting the other series and being neither primarily beneficent, nor distant by the same interval from the one cause of everything beautiful and good. Do you know the first chapter in this book is on the beautiful? Which, uh, I'll read it again. Did we ever read it? On the beautiful. It's good to read that last because that's beautiful. Is the summit. I thought the one you would want to read is on the beautiful, but instead we're reading on the evil. Let's read what's evil. These twofold coordinations of the Pythagoreans are as follows: bound infinity, the odd, the even, the one, the multitude, the right hand, the left hand, the masculine, the feminine, the quiescent, that which is in motion. The straight, the curve, the light, the darkness, the good, the evil, the square, the oblong. See my translation of Aristotle's Metaphysics, Book 1. It is requisite, therefore, to suspend these twofold coordinations of good and evil in the universe from the demiurgic monad. For the divisions of the gods and of the genere posterior to the gods depend on that first principle. 
the cause likewise of the good and evil which happen from fate and which are allotted to souls about generation according to justice must be referred to the dispensator of the universe who also sends souls into the region of mortality somebody sent us into the region of mortality i'll tell you are we in the region of mortality I feel like I was sent there in a way. Hmm. I must be in it, unless I'm immortal. Hmm. For the effects of fate are suspended from demiurgic providence, about which the series of justice also subsists, and the boundaries of which it follows, being as the Athenian guest in Plato observes the avenger of the divine law. Lastly, the gifts of fortune and the distribution of all things according to justice are determined according to the will of the Father, the Demiurgus and Father, therefore, of the universe, has pre-established in himself the cause of everything good and evil, of more excellent and subordinate gifts, of prosperous events, and of such as are impediments, to the energies of the soul in externals. And he governs all things according to intellect, distributing to every being such things as are fit. That's probably true, right? You could argue he distributes according to what's his fit. And referring all things to his own paternal administration. Remember in the Quran they said he never gives you more than you can handle? Mm -hmm. So the suffering, I guess, is... In Greece they used to say, according to the size of the mountain, this God throws in the snow. Mm. You know, the big mountain can bear a lot of snow, the small ones. Mm. No. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> my aunt used to tell that for my mom, because she was strong and she had a lot of... <laughs> So God gave her a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. Yeah, she worked hard all her life. Now, did she become strong from the amount of work, or was she born strong? I guess uh, both. Uh, no, was she we cannot, uh, predestined? We, we cannot uh, mm. take them apart. Well, that generation... Uh, <clears throat> she, when she was a little girl, huh? Yes, she had it easy because well. her parents, her father was very wealthy. He came from America, but then during the war they lost everything. So her father came from America. My mom's father came from America. He got married with her mother. He was an American. American, wow. Why can't that make you but an uh, American? Uh, Wait a minute. She was uh, Greek-American, not American-American. Why didn't you become an American at that point? I was not born back then. You weren't born? Mom was inside. Oh, her father. But then she was not born American, though she could have no. been born an American. No, he so. left America. He left America. And he, uh, what a pity. He should take uh, my mom and come here and avoid the Second World War. He could have avoided the Second off. World War. Yeah, I guess that would be the smart thing to do. Uh, then I would be born here.
Or should we think about what it could have situations, yeah, how what could have been, or just that's think? That's why we need the multiverse, so we have all those different choices. Or was it dis distributed to every being such things as are fit? Did you just get whatever was fit to you? And referring all things to his own paternal administration, for he distributes two souls with a view to good... So it was to your good to end up in Greece. Uh -huh. yeah, Both yes. things um, of the better. And of the inferior coordination. In the of See, we, if you were not born in okay. Greece, we would not be reading this. Yeah, I mean, probably. I so. I would be an ignorant. You would be ignorant? <laughs> you would be an ugly American? I'm ignorant, would, I said. I didn't say ignorant ugly. American. Why are ignorant Americans ignorant? Because they don't know Greek or what? Huh? Uh, who knows? Maybe I would be a scholar. <laughs> you could have been Being a scholar. Being college and uh, falling in love with Greek. Huh? You would have fallen in love with Greek anyways. <laughs> Distributes to souls with a view to good, both things of the better and the inferior coordination, looking in his distribution to the perfection of the recipients. So God was looking... To your perfection. Uh -huh. In these things, there are rightly asserted, we must admit the Homeric arrangement, which places in the demiurgic intellect of Jupiter twofold primary causes of the goods and the ills which he imparts to souls. For in all the intellectual kings, the duad especially belongs to the demiurgus of the universe, since according to the oracle, that duad is seated with him, and by his governing all things and disposing everything in his proper place, he shows virtue to be victorious and vice to be vanquished in the universe. Huh. For what difference is there between asserting these things and comparing the demiurgus to one playing at chess and sending souls into lives adapted to their respective natures? Huh. You think life is just a chess game and we're pieces on a board? Mm -hmm. These two fountains, therefore, of a better and worse condition Sometimes of things. Life is a play. We're just a play. And they wonder how he's been watching the same play on and on and on and on. Humans doing the same. Why does he keep watching it? Yeah. So you have the entertainment model of God where he's created us for his entertainment. It's like we're Netflix to him. So this. you play a role in a way in this life and then yeah. you find your, your own who you are after you of the play in a way. Like an actor, you know, he imitates a personality. Well, they say he's God not. was one and he wished to become many and he was probably bored and wanted to... <laughs> He wanted to, to distribute yeah. it himself and then have himself find himself in these it's little droplets. You know, sometimes even from yeah. very oh. uh, yeah. high-range religious people, you have a totally simple answer about God. Ha, simple as simple answer. as you would tell a child, in a way. Yeah. The scientists come with the Big Bang theory. 
Yeah, it's all mythology. Everything is mythology. Current cosmology at NASA is just mythology as well. Do you think it is? Could be. The space show is just mythology as well. It's a view that this is the Big Bang is a myth, a myth right now. It's a supposition, we're mm. saying. The Big Bang myth. Yeah. Huh. It's trying to understand better. Mm. These two fountains, therefore, of a better end, worse condition of things by which the demiurgus conducts souls according to justice, the poet mythologizing denominates tubs. My goodness, tubs, T-U-B-S, signifies persuasion, is a tub, is a Greek word here, there. T U B S. This is Python. Well, what is it? Epsilon, Yota, Theta, Omega. Python, persuade, signifies persuasion. Python is a tab. Tab, I don't know. What are the letters? Epsilon? P. 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 Epsilon, Yota, Theta, Omega. Theta Omega uh, <coughs> signifies what? Persuasion. I persuade somebody. Yeah. All right, we'll just say denominates persuasion. persuasion. Whether indicating that divinity assigns to everything its proper boundary through intellectual persuasion. For intellect says Timaeus. 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 That's one of the books. I know, Plato. The dialogues. Timaeus is the principle of necessity, persuading it to lead all things to that which is best. He's saying we're leading to the best somehow. Or the capaciousness of these principles and their comprehending all various effects. Or the Demiugurson, the father of the universe, contains... Unitedly in himself, the dispersed multitude of all that he distributes to souls. He contains united in himself the dispersed multitude of all that he distributes to soul. So he contains that. What? He contains that. It's like we're contained within God. Can you imagine that all that's going on in a way is contained within God? So it's the same thing if you say that all that we see, all connected, it is God in a way. We're all connected. Like every point in the universe is God. Every point, yeah, is God. So that according to this reasoning, Plato and the Homeric poetry accord with each other. It's not God, but it's part of God. Of God. For the former says that it is not proper to make God the cause of any evil, but the <coughs> other perpetually produces everything good from whence. Yet, since goods are twofold and each kind benefits those by whom it is received, whence the Homeric poetry distributes them into twofold coordinations and in indicating their difference with respect to each other denominates the one as absolutely good, but places the other separate as contrary to good, but that which is called evil by Homer is not such as that which Plato denies to be given by the gods. The poet himself declares in the following verses, 
You think we could find God in you want Homer? Me to read that? It's in English. You can read if you want. You can read from here. It's not in Greek, so I don't know if I can allow you to read it. <laughs> the gods on Peleus from his birth bestowed illustrious gifts with this god also evil rejoined. What this evil is, he immediately tells us. No race succeeding to imperial sway, an only son and he, alas, ordained to fall intimately, intimate, intimately in a foreign land, see him in Troy, the pious care decline, of his weak age to live the course of thine. Peles, uh, I'm not sure I know about Peles exactly, but uh, he, I, I, his name was important. It could be in the Iliad. You see, uh, on Peles, maybe he was the father of one of his, and one of his sons went to, uh, to try. So he. From his birth, but he bestows him with illustrious gifts. But with those, he joined evil ones. No race succeeding to imperial sway, because maybe his only son he died in Troy, so he didn't have uh, grandsons to succeed him. No race succeeding to imperial sway, or no, an only son and he, alas, ordained to fall intimately in a foreign land, so he fell in Troy. See him in Troy the pious care decline of his weak age to live the course of thine. So he, he was weak in old age, he was somehow alone, he had to live that. He calls it curse to be alone. On these verses it appears that Homer does not make divinity the cause of real evils, since he calls the loss of a son and the being deprived of his attendance in, in old age evils. But in what manner these are evils we have above explained, so far as they cause difficulty in the present life and sorrow in the soul. For though it is not lawful for those who philosophize in a genuine manner to call these evils, yet they appear to be impediments of a life according to virtue, to those who make choice of a practical life. Hence the Athenian guests also comments that uh, all such things are, in a certain respect, evil to good men, but good to such as are depraved, uh, though he makes God to be the cause, both of these and of everything imparted from the universe. So that not only Homer and Achilles in Homer assert these things, but Plato himself uh, and the legislator according to Plato. How the poetry of Homer seems to refer a violation of oath to the gods, the truth respecting this unfolded. In the next place, let us consider how leagues and oaths, according to the poetry of Homer, are violated with the will of the mighty Jupiter and of Minerva, acting in 
subservience, see, to the will of the of her father. For this also, Socrates reprobates as referring to principle of evils, to the first of the gods. And here, indeed, it is worthwhile, especially, no doubt, how he who makes divinity to be the cause of these things does not make him to be the cause of the greatest and real evils. For Homer cannot here be defended by saying that he represents poverty, disease, and things of this kind as proceeding from the gods, but he attributes to divinity the cause of those things which are acknowledged by all men to be evils. Timaeus, indeed, in Plato, represents the Demiurgus as entirely prescribing laws to souls prior to their descending generation, that he may not be accused as the cause of their consequent evils, but these verses of Homer admit that the principle of the greatest evils is imparted to them from divinity. When they have descended and are conversant with generation, how then shall we reply to these animadversions so as to harmonize the doctrine of Homer with the nature of things and the narration of, of Plato? We may reply as follows, that fables of this kind are not adapted to the habit of youth, as has been asserted by us before, and we shall now, and in all that follows, repeat the assertion, for it is not possible for youth to distinguish the nature of things, nor to refer the apparent sign of truth to an, an apparent theory, nor to see how everything in the universe is accomplished according to the will of divinity through other intervening causes. But we shall now, but we shall show that these things are agreeable <coughs> to the philosophy <coughs> of Plato. The Athenian guest then in the law says that God is the beginning, the middle, and the end of all things, and that justice follows him taking vengeance on those that desert the divine law. But these, as he informs us, are such through youth, such as through youth and folly have their soul inflamed with insolence and for a certain time appear to themselves to govern, but afterwards suffer the proper punishment of their conduct from justice and entirely subvert themselves, their city and their family. These things are asserted by the Athenian guests politically, but Homer, relating them to a divinely inspired manner, entheasticos, and that means in God, says that those who have often sinned and committed the greatest crimes are punished for their offenses according to the singular will of Jupiter. He further informs us that Jupiter, first of all, accomplishes this punishment, and in a manner exempt and inapparent to all, but Minerva in the second place, being subservient to and cooperating with the paternal providence of Jupiter, 
for us Orfea say she is the powerful queen of the intellect of Saturnian yoga. The same poet likewise adds that his brain, who violates leagues and oaths, flows on the ground like wine. In consequence, therefore, of this violation, such men subject themselves to justice and render themselves adapted to punishment. Hence, violation of leagues and oaths is especially perpetrated by those who, prior to this, have deserved the vengeance of the gods who justly govern mortal affairs and those punish former crimes. <coughs> but such are said to be moved and led forth into energy by the gods themselves. Not that the gods render men who are to be punished impious and unjust, but as calling into energy those that are adapted to the perpetration of uh, such like actions, that by once energizing according to their inward habit and producing into light the progeny of depraved actions with which they are pregnant, they may become worthy of punishment. For we should rather say, according to Plato, that vengeance the attendant of justice is perfect, perfected in such than divine justice itself, since the just and justice are beautiful things. But both he on whom vengeance is inflicted and he on whom it is not are miserable. Men, therefore, who have committed many and the greatest crimes and who have a depraved habit which is Parturian, with greater and more weighty evils, in the first place sustain vengeance, which appears indeed to cross those that suffer it, that suffer it, leading them to the violation of oaths, but in reality brings them to suffer the punishment of their crimes, effecting that which is similar to the opening of ulcer by the surgeon's instrument, which produces an increase of pain at the time, but by discharging the putridity and the latent humor becomes the cause of future health. Hmm. Humor. Humor is just like a sickness. Yeah. Hmm. It's a narrow idea. Mm -hmm. But the poetry of Homer says that this punishment be beginning supernally from Jupiter, for justice, as we have before observed, follows him, taking vengeance on those that deserve the divine law, is perfected through Minerva as the medium. For the Trojans, seeing into what an evil they had brought themselves, and that their life was obnoxious to deserved punishment, rendered this inevitable to themselves by the violation of oaths and leagues. Mm. Again then, it must be in the first place said that the gods were not the cause of this confused and disorderly conduct to the Trojans, but that they, through their own depravity, rendered themselves worthy of an energy of this kind, and among these, Pandarus, 
in an eminent degree as being a man ambitious, avaricious, and leading an atheistical life. Hence, Minerva, proceeding according to the intellect of her father, does not excite anyone causally to this action, but is said to seek Pandarus as particularly adapted to an avenging energy. She is everywhere the godlike Pandarus explored. For the man who is capable of doing and suffering anything and who also opposes himself to divinity through certain gigantic and audacious habit of soul is rare and truly difficult to be found, as therefore physicians are not the cause of cuttings and burnings, but the diseases of those that are cured. So neither are the gods the cause of the impiety respecting oaths and leagues, but the habits of those by whom it is committed. Like cause and effect, you know, the master will say. In the second place, this also must be considered that Minerva is not said to prepare Pandarus for the deed, but only to try if he gave himself up to this energy. For divinity does not destroy the freedom of the will, not even in such as are consummately, consummately wicked. Lycaon's warlike son, what I suggest, will do obey. And there's a little footnote I like to have. Go for all the almost as is the original read of the Homeros. Vinigar cronida nu no crantira teticne. And here Pandarus seems to be derived apoto panda dran. That is, uh, as we commonly say, of a very depraved character, he, ha- he was a man capable of anything. The Pandadra, he, he does everything in a way. Do you like to read from here? If but, you want. But Pandarus. Huh? From where? But Pandarus. But, but Pandarus, uh, incited by an immoderate desire of riches and power, leaps to unknown energies, the poet all but exclaiming in the very words of Socrates in the Republic, Book 10, that, quote, Many things are extended to souls from the universe, which astonish the stupid and cause them to err respecting the elections of lives, unquote. As therefore the prophet extends a tyrannical life, and he who first chooses this is said to be stupid. Although he by whom it was extended was entirely a divine nature. So here, when Minerva offers to the choice of Ponderous a more powerful and rich condition with impiety, or one entirely contrary to this, he makes choice of the worse. In this case, Minerva is not the cause of the election, but the improbity of him by whom the election is made. He made the choice. 
For neither is the prophet in Plato the cause of a tyrannical life, but the intemperance of him that shows it. Whence ponderous P-A-N-D-A-R-U-S is obeying Minerva, in obeying Minerva is said to suffer this through his stupidity. For indeed, for indeed, to speak accurately, he did not obey Minerva, but the avariciousness and stupid habit of his soul. He did not obey Minerva, but he obeyed the avarice and stupid habit of his soul. <laughs> Though it is not wonderful that Minerva in this instance is not the cause of wisdom, but of folly. It's not wonderful. She caused folly. <laughs> she gave him a choice, or what happened yeah, there? So instead of uh, being wise and take the wisdom, she takes she is not the cause of wisdom, but of folly. So, but says Plotinus, 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 quote, craft is produced from a defluxion of intellect, and illumination of temperance becomes intemperance, and audacity is the gift of fortitude. How does that relate? Craft is produced from a defluxion of intellect, and illumination of temperance becomes intemperance, and audacity is the gift of fortitude. <laughs> Ooh. For such as are the forms of life, such also from necessity must be the participations from more excellent natures. Hence, some participant of intellectibles intellectually... <laughs> Hence, some participate of intellectuals intellectually. Do you participate in intellectuals intellectually? No. Others according to opinion, and others fantastically. Others, again, participate of passions. Impassively. Others with mediocrity of passion, and others with perfect passivity. I don't know which one we follow. If we are mediocre or passions impassively or passions or perfect passivity or mediocrity of passion. Or if we participate of intellectuals intellectually. That's what we're trying to find out. <clears throat> but all things are moved by the gods according to their respective aptitudes. So that the violation of oaths did not proceed from Jupiter and Minerva, but from Pandarus and the Trojans. We can blame the Trojans, I guess. <laughs> this action, however, is suspended from the gods as being the forerunner of justice and as preparing those by whom it was perpetuated for the perfect punishment of their guilt. <clears throat> Is there a perfect punishment? Hmm. Mm, I don't 
Nor is a divine nature the cause of true evils to souls, but the depraved habits of these are the sources to them of their depraved energies. But every energy, though it proceeds with depravity into the universe, is under the direction of presiding gods and of a more total or partial providence, for it becomes as potinous and unjust action to him who does it so far as pertains to the doing it, but just to him who suffers for it so far as he suffers, and so far as an action of this kind is atheistical, it originates from a partial cause, which gives perfection to an action full of passion, but so far as it is good, it obtains from presiding powers its proper end. For it is necessary that the authors of the greatest crimes should some time or other be called to punishment. But this would never take place unless their depravity received its completion. How does your depravity receive its completion? Many habits, therefore, remaining unenergetic, render those by whom they are possessed incapable of attaining their proper cure. Hence, on the gods consulting concerning bringing the war to an end, saving the Trojans, the goddess who presides over justice prevents any energy of this kind, that the Trojans may more swiftly suffer the punishment of their crimes. And Minerva, who cooperates with this divinity, excites to the violation of the oath, that, energizing according to the whole of their depravity, they may receive the punishment of the whole of it. For neither was it good for them to remain without a cure, nor that their latent depravity should be healed prior to their second offenses. All their unjust life, therefore, being unfolded, punishment follows, correcting the whole of their impious conduct. Does that make any sense to you? Hmm? They might say that the story, Troy suffered from uh, their own sins, in a way. Troy sinned, and Troy, sinned. they stole the... Uh, he was uh, wise, he wouldn't uh, run away with... Uh, he, stole, he stole his wife. Huh? Paris stole Helen, basically, right? I mean, she wanted to go, but he had so, you know. Uh, it was immoral. Mm. Really? What happened then? Huh. So we're determining the source of evil about the, does evil come, arise from the gods or from man or does good and evil arise or... It's a similar question to current issues in religion, like where does evil come from? And uh, it's no different than the other theologies, I don't think. It always goes to men. Men is the one who make choices, you know, free will. You have free will and you made the choice. <laughs> if you make bad choices, I guess. I, So you can't claim that all evil comes from the gods. <laughs> If we're stuck in a chess game, we might look... Well, it's from from the gods, but not, uh, that is not to be taken. Cause mm -hmm. and effect, uh, it is not uh, legal, it's not... Uh, 
because uh, it's not it's made in a way you know when you exercise a force against something then you call a force will be generated on the opposite way right uh, mm. everything and everything else from the molecular world to the universal likewise <coughs> now we if, yeah, if we can explain those things in the Alice sent this uh, sent this quote uh, it says, we all have Schrodinger's virus now. We all have Schrodinger's virus now because we cannot get tested. We cannot know whether we have the virus or not. No, we, dead and alive at the same time. we have to act, <laughs> dear, we have to act as if we have the virus so that we don't spread it to others. We have to act as if we've never had the virus because if we didn't have it, we're not immune. Therefore, we both have and don't have the virus. The Schrodinger's virus. If you don't understand this joke, you'll never be allowed to talk about science again. <laughs> so right now, we both do and don't have the virus. <laughs> right now, we're, we're, we're investigating the impediments of energy and the possible darkenings of our natural dispositions and any, looking for anything that may disturb the tranquil management of human affairs. And we're trying to call, we're trying to have tranquil management of our affairs, I guess. Mm -hmm. And we want to call, be, find the cause of everything beautiful and good <laughs> while we're in the region of mortality, while investigating Thomas Taylor's analysis of, which is actually parochialist. <laughs> For investigating. Now, is the virus coming from God or from man? <laughs> Does the virus come from God or man? Or is the virus a punishment for Ben uh, A punishment. We're reading the translation of Proclus's essay on the fables of Homer. We're reading right now. Is the punishment, is the punishment an evil thing? This is section three. In what manner an apology is to be made for those divine fables which appear to make the gods the causes of evil? So does God the cause or is man? I don't know. It's man. What's man? That's what he is uh, explaining. Okay. <laughs> I can you, read. You, make a bad you see, I read. Let's and, say uh, you know that uh, cheese, you cannot eat dirty, let's say. Okay. You eat, and then you have a bad stomach, and uh, even something more serious. Then who's uh, it? Is the God's fault that you suffer, or uh, you? If I eat something bad, if I overeat, I could. Are you saying if I eat too much sugar, I could get diabetes, and I might be subject to mortality? Oh no! All right, so now I'm now I'm afraid. So. All right, so. We were reading on the Apology for the Fables of Homer, which was actually Proclus, which is then commented, then translated by Thomas Taylor, the Platonist, in selected writings in the Princeton University Press. 
So we were, in a way, we did go to Princeton. Remember you wanted to go to Princeton? Mm -hmm. uh, and you said you don't know who he looks like, Thomas Taylor. I don't know what he looks like. Does he look like Tommy or look like Taylor? Mm -hmm. Neither. Neither. Mm. All right, we're done. We're uh, reading this from the region of mortality. Mm -hmm.